The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 to 35. Jesus and his disciples went into a house. A crowd gathered again, so that they were not even able to eat a meal. When his own people heard this, they went out to take control of him, because they were saying, He is out of his mind. The experts in the law who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus called them together and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. On the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possessions unless he ties up the strong man first. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I tell you, everything will be forgiven people, their sins and whatever blasphemies they may speak. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus said this because they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers arrived. While they were standing outside, they sent word to Jesus calling for him. A crowd was sitting around him. They began to tell him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. He replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those who sat around him in a circle, and he said, Look, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. In the Garden of Eden, right after Adam and Eve fall into sin, the Lord sweeps in with salvation. He promises that a Messiah will arrive to wreck Satan and to restore the righteousness that Satan just ruined. And as the Lord makes that first promise of a Savior, he also makes it clear from here on out there are two sides. There is the Lord's side and the devil's side. And these two sides are going to stand opposite each other. They are going to fight each other. Both sides are going to land blows, but only one side is going to win. And at this moment, Satan must be thinking that the winner is him, because he has just led God's people, and together with them, God's whole creation into sin. Satan has to be thinking, I win. They're on my team now. They're with me, and they're going to be with me forever. I win, and the Lord loses. So the Lord turns and speaks directly to the devil and tells him, not so fast. I will put hostility between you and the woman. You Satan, you just dragged Eve over to your side by leading her into sin, but she is not going to stay there. I am going to bring her back to my side by giving her faith in this promise that I am about to make. She'll be back with me. And not just her, 
But everyone who trusts this promise will come back to my side. Those who reject it are going to stay over there with you. The believers will be her seed. The unbelievers will be your seed. And they too will struggle against each other. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And it doesn't end there for you, Satan, because here is the promise that I am going to make to give them faith and bring them back to me. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. So from this believing side, the seed of Eve, there is going to come one, he, who is going to smash your skull into the dirt. He is going to come to bring back righteousness, to bring back forgiveness, and he is going to come to bring back every soul from your side who believes. Now, Satan, you are going to get your licks in on him. You are going to hurt him fiercely. You will crush his heel, but you are not going to break him. He's going to break you. He will crush your head. In him, my side wins. So ever since the Garden of Eden, two sides that stand against each other, the Lord's side, established by the Messiah, where all believers stand, and the devil's side, where those who reject him stand. One day, a group of men who are clearly standing with Satan accuse that Messiah of driving out demons by Satan's power. And Jesus says, that's nonsense. Doesn't make any sense at all. Satan doesn't fight against himself. I fight against Satan because I am on the side of righteousness and restoration. I am the one who has come into the world to tie that strong man up and seize by force what belongs to him and take it back to myself. One thing you see very clearly in this gospel is that sometimes the people standing with Satan are the ones you would least expect to be there. Jesus' own people, which means his family, could be more extended or immediate. It's kind of vague. But they think Jesus is nuts. They think he's lost it. And now they're like a wife whose husband has had a few too many at a New Year's party and she just wants to get him out of there before he can make a fool of himself. They want to take Jesus by the arm and get him out of there before this family embarrassment can do any more damage to their reputation. And then you have the experts in the law. These are men who knew all the promises about the Messiah from the Old Testament going all the way back to that first one in the Garden of Eden. And now here he is, standing right in front of them in the flesh, preaching to them, teaching them about the kingdom of God, and their response is to accuse him of being in league with the devil. These are all people who should have known better. These are all people who had the promises, and now the promise was there in the flesh right in front of them, but they were all people who found themselves on the wrong side. Now, eventually, it seems most of Jesus' family came around to the side of grace, but for those experts in the law, it was already too late. They had been standing on Satan's side so long and so hard that they were damned men walking. They had committed what Jesus calls the sin against the Holy Spirit. 
And this sin is unforgivable. It's not the size of the sin that makes it unforgivable. No sin is too big for God to forgive. It's the nature of the sin. It's what, it's, it's what it does that makes it unforgivable. See, this is the sin of the heart that hears the word of God, understands what it says, folds its arms and says, stuff it. Before long, that kind of heart becomes hardened and then there's no going back. It's too late. Even though the person is still alive, they can never leave Satan's side. Well, finally, Jesus' family does arrive and they call him out. A crowd was sitting around him. They began to tell him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. He replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And now we see how to be on the Lord's side. How to be on Jesus' side. How to be on the side of forgiveness, life, and grace. He looked at those who sat around him in a circle and said, Look, my mother and my brothers. So those who are on Jesus' side listen to him. They listen to the promises about the Savior going all the way back through the garden and through the prophets of the Old Testament. They listen to Jesus' own words in the Gospels and the words that he sent through his apostles. They listen to the truth of sins forgiven, life restored, communion with God in his son, Jesus Christ. And when they listen, they believe what Jesus says about himself. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And in another place, Jesus tells us exactly what this will of God is. The will of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. The faith in Jesus has to come first, trust in his promises first. And then, because you are on his side through faith, naturally, your whole life will reflect that. And what you think, say, and do, it will conform to his will. So those who are on Jesus' side listen to him. They believe what he says about himself and then they prove it with the lives that they live. And then they get to cherish and celebrate exactly what it means for them to be on that side with their Savior. Jesus said, for whoever, so this is one singular person, whatever one person does the will of God is my singular, one brother, and my singular sister, and my singular mother. So there are many millions of people on the side of faith in Jesus. The Bible says that in heaven there will be too many to count. And yet, Jesus sees each one of those million individual believers as the only one, his only brother, his only sister, his only mother. Jesus rests his hands on the shoulders of each individual believer and says, you are the only one that I see. You are everything to me, my only brother, my only sister, my only mother. That is the level of closeness. That is the intimacy that believers in Jesus enjoy with their Savior. And I know what you might be thinking. How is it possible for each one of the millions of believers in Jesus to be his only one. I think we better borrow something Jesus says in another place. 
With man, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. So one thing that all three of today's lessons, including this gospel, show us is that there are exactly two sides, faith and unbelief. You know, there's always a part of us, though, that wants to have a third side. Because what about my neighbor, who's a super nice guy, as we say in the Midwest? He's super nice, super, super nice guy. But he's just not a Christian. Or what about my friend who, she doesn't have any problem with Jesus. She maybe thinks he's a good teacher. She just doesn't see him as her savior. Can't we have a separate room for these people? Can't we have a third side? Maybe they don't go to heaven or hell, but maybe they could live in like an eternal Cincinnati or a, a Sacramento that never ends, something like that. Well, that might seem fair and logical to you and me, but the problem is we're not God. God is God, and this is his judgment, and it's his decision. And in his word, he makes it very clear Two sides only, faith and unbelief. So what does this mean for us? Well, if I know somebody who is currently on the wrong side, it's worth my time and worth my energy to tell them what Christ has done for them and pray for the Holy Spirit to give them faith and pull them over to Jesus' side. Now, if that doesn't happen, if they don't believe, it's not your fault. And you did what God asked you to do, but we shouldn't assume that people are going to be okay in the end because they're nice. It's faith in Jesus that puts you on his side. What else should we take away from this? Don't mess with the attitudes and the actions of the unbelieving side. This is your eternal destiny that is at stake. Don't have anything to do with the other side. Because sometimes Christians want to live kind of with half of themselves over here with Jesus and half of themselves over in sin and unbelief. Yeah, 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 I love Jesus. Yes, definitely, Jesus all the way. Yeah, but there's this thing I'm doing wrong, and I'm just going to keep on doing it. Yeah, 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 Jesus, I love Jesus. But I don't actually have to listen to him. I don't need to crack my Bible ever, do I? Yes, Jesus, of course, I love Jesus, but I don't have to listen to I don't have to buy everything Jesus says, do I? You remember what it means to be on Jesus' side. You listen to him, you trust in him, and because you do, you keep all of his will in your life. Don't try to live with one boot in each camp. It's playing with fire. Be totally on Jesus' side, completely with him. And whenever we find ourselves leaning toward that other side, we need to remember how good it is to be with Jesus. Picture him wrapping his arms around you and telling you, you are everything to me. You are the only one I see. You are my only brother, my only sister, my only mother, and you will be forever. Because I died and rose for you, you are on my side for eternity. You remember that, and any appeal on the other side fades away very quickly, and you only always want to be with Jesus. Because it was true in the garden, it was true when Jesus walked on this world, and it is still true today, that God is pulling people back to himself, back to his side. Jesus is the way there, trust in him puts you there, and once you are there, you are everything to him. Amen.